to a live broadcast of Black Talk Radio News with Scotty Reed, of course. That's me, Scotty Reed, who is on this mic from behind these enemy lines on this last day of 2018. I know it's been a while since I've been on the mic. You can blame that on health issues and other issues that come along when, you know, you out here struggling like the masses of the people are doing. So I uh, hope you all are enjoying the holidays. Hope you all had a good Christmas. Hope you're having a good Kwanzaa. Whatever it is that you practice out there or observe, you know, I hope that it is a pleasant time uh, for you. Um, lots to talk about, obviously, but I do want to start off by saying um, I am gearing back up to do regular broadcasts of BTR News Live for 2019, uh, just really updating some stuff, but on the question of updating some stuff, not just this specific podcast and radio broadcast, and oh yeah, uh, while I have your attention, let me go ahead and just announce that the relaunch of New Abolitionist Radio will be this Wednesday, which is January the second day after the New Year's, but that'll be the relaunch with new hosts, some old hosts, um, of New Abolitionist Radio, which focuses on the 13th Amendment legalized slavery that exists in the prisons, detention facilities, be they those holding American citizens or refugees and immigrants from other places, whether they're private contractors, the federal or state government, we want to end slavery. That's the purpose of that program. So, uh, catch the rebrought, the relaunch on January the 2nd, right here on Black Talk Radio Network.com. Um, now, for those who have been listening for a long time and know who I am personally, you may be a first time uh, listener. I shouldn't assume that everybody who tunes in has ever heard of me before. They may be a new listener or come across the content by chance. But I'm not only the founder of Black Talk Radio Network, I am the uh, creator of the nonprofit that manages that network, which provides you with podcasting services. Um, you can also do video, although we mainly focus on audio and the other content providers, uh, digital radio streams and all of that. So we're thinking about updating how we operate uh, that network. Uh, thinking about abandoning the capitalist math, uh, model where you pay 
for services. You know, that's that's how basically everything is, especially in the area of publishing content. Unless you're talking about, you know, making money for Google um, through YouTube, and there are places that would allow you to do it for free. So, you know, that plays into our thinking of elevating black uh, media, and that would fall in line with our nonprofit Black Talk Media Project's vision is to elevate black voices by taking control uh, by being the primary producers of our media and if that's how we got to compete to get black content more black content um then by offering free services then that's what we'll do so we're you know we're going to put out a poll question i got a couple of questions for you because, you know, we're just not able to sustain ourselves. Oh, by the way, of course, you know, we just did 10 years again. I mean, not again, but uh, 10 years this past November, uh, our 10th year online. Um, that would include this radio program you're listening to now and the whole platform, the network with all the other voices that's on, on there now. Um, you know, it's been a struggle these 10 years. Shout out to the dedicated believers in the mission of who have regularly contributed to the nonprofit uh, our nonprofit here in North Carolina Black Talk Media Project it's about a core group of about 300 people even though we have tens of thousands sometimes hundreds of thousands visiting the website every month we just had a small core group and it's been a struggle but they are very much appreciated everything we have been able to sustain up to this point a lot of it is um uh, thanks to you. Without you, uh, we wouldn't have lasted this decade. Um, but, you know, and to those who are using our capitalist model, where they're paying for service to Lisa Stream, to have the podcasting and the distribution that goes along with that by utilizing uh, the platform, thank you. Because even though it's a lot of people who who look like us and say they, you know, believe that our um, culture, our social uh, subculture here in America, that we need more, you know, black radio, we need more African American radio, we need more Afro American radio. Uh, the reason I'm going through, through those uh, acronyms, I believe they are called, is because I came across a new word today. I thought I thought of the word, but it already existed. It's just not really used in mainstream, but it is called. Afro-Americophobia, uh, irrational fear of black people who identify as black Americans, Afro-Americans, or African-American. And I was like, you know, there's a lot of hatred for that. Now I almost got infected by that um, at one time in my life um, while I was on air, actually, in the, in the 11 years I've been on air producing radio. Um, but I saw the illogic in that. Um, and so, you know, I corrected my path. Um, but I see a lot of it. I hear a lot of it being in the business that I'm in, um, doing the things that I do, observing like I do. Lots of Afro, uh, uh, it's called Afro Amerophobia, or yes, yeah, Afro. I think they call it African Amerophobia. 
Phobia, but that doesn't really flow like Afro Amerophobia, does it? So that that's the term that I'm going to use. But that's an irrational fear of black people who identify as Black American, Afro American, or African American. I'm going to start doing like a uh, words of the day segment uh, to start my podcast or broadcast a uh, word of the day because there's lots of words and lots of terms out there that don't fit the dictionary definition and if we don't have agreed upon definitions for words, that breeds confusion and, you know, that makes us ill-equipped to solve problems. So I, I'm thinking about adding that section. But let me get to the poll questions, though. I'm, I, I'm actually probably going to put it out in digital form, you know, because we do have a lot of people follow us on social media and what have you or, you know, visit the website. But I'm, I'm going to put together a poll like that. Um, no, this is what I'm going to do. All e I have all the emails of the people who have made financial donations over the 10 years. So I will make a poll and they will be the ones who, who decide. But here's the poll questions for our donors um, or contributors, however you want to call it, to Black Talk Media Project to sustain uh, the Black Talk Radio Network and, and, and teach, you know, all the technical teachings that we provided and, and all of that service for all this year, all these years. So here is question number one. It's several, I'm going to say poll questions because it's more than one. So I'm going to ask this. If you want to call in, um, the number's posted for you in our promos online. But if you're listening through like um, uh, offline or uh, off network uh, means, our telephone number is 704-802-5056, 704-802-5056. Um, you will hit, I think it's the star key once or twice. And that'll show you on the board and I will bring up. Uh, your call if you want to answer it on air but I'm going to just put it out here first on, on air on this live broadcast this last day of 2018 okay poll question number one should the Black Talk Media Project abandon the capitalist model and start offering free services on Black Talk Radio Network well you may have a question for that, uh, for that question right so what is, quote-unquote, free services? Free services would include a digital radio server, audio-video podcast hosting, podcasting and hosting, and distribution services, technical support, and a optional, uh, you know, optional membership to our social media community, BTR community. The free service would be provided as a perk for an annual $30 per year donation or contribution to the nonprofit. Of course, that's Black Talk Media Project. Content producers will. This is something that we haven't offered before, but have had the ability for maybe about four or five months. But content producers will be able to monetize their content, their individual content. They can monetize it using our in-house ad distribution software that's installed on the platform, and it can display, like, you know, you get the different codes from, like, Google Ads or whatever, because um, 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 they have different networks where, you know, you can sign up to promote stuff, and it's like they pay you, a, a, what do they call it, a commission on sales, and, and things of that nature. So that's how that works. So anyway, um, uh, Google Ads a little different though. Um, but anyway, you could embed that type of code. You can upload images. 
You can upload videos or, or uh, pull a video in from somewhere, and you will also get email reports. I mean, you get like, I think, annual reports, uh, monthly reports, daily reports for your different ad campaigns. Now, again, it's a learning curve. We, you know, uh, one of our mission is to teach people how to harden this technology. So there is a learning curve, and, you know, you have to go through a um just the instructions basically on how to use it, but you'll be authorized um, to do that. Um, should Black Talk, now here's question number two. Should Black Talk Media Project put up a paywall, and I'm going to put paywall in quotations. Should we put up a paywall? Y'all see these people on YouTube and other places where you had to pay to get extra content or special content. Should we put up a paywall? To the only way you'll be able to listen to live streaming is, you know, to be uh, a contributor or, or a donor. And uh, you will st- be able to see the podcast, access the podcast afterwards and in the future. But you would not be able to call in because you're not there to listen to it live. All right. And the last question, question number three, should Black Talk Media Project think about doing both? So those will be questions to our donors and and contributors as we try to plot um, a way forward for us to be able to financially sustain ourselves while uh, fulfilling our mission. Because capitalism ain't working. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? And when you really think about it in the context of a wider scale, capitalism ain't working for a lot of people. So... um, there it is. I laid it out, so I don't want to linger too long on that. Um, so let me get to the show, though. Uh, before I get to the show, just some quick things. Um, I want to get into some headlines that caught my eye or some stuff that went viral. I'm going to share a conversation I had had with my daughter um, about this video where this dude um, gift wraps some boxes with some index cards on, in it. Like he giving... I don't know if it was his wife, his living girl, or his living girlfriend, which you know it, it really don't matter. Um, but they were cohabitating. Uh, that was that was uh, evident. So anyway, he's giving her a Christmas these Christmas gifts. I think it was like three boxes, right? Gift wrapped and everything. And she was excited to get you know the gifts and what did uh, my significant other pick out for me? And he had index cards. She then went through tearing up the box, you know, the wrapping off and opening up the box. And here's the index card that say light bill, car payment. And I forgot what else, what else he what else he said. And I couldn't I couldn't believe that a lot of people was liking that. And I mean, literally liking that on different accounts that was distributing it because it, it apparently went viral. Um and my daughter was like, do you think it was staged? I was like, if it was staged, she is she should get an Oscar nomination because I've seen that look in people before where they're happy, excited, in a good mood, and then all of a sudden their expression just changed to anger or frustration. And, and so if that was staged, her reaction to when she pulled that card out and said this is this is something that you would do you know with that disgusted look on her face and 
you know, I couldn't believe that that people was liking that. And then I was like, oh, yeah, because, you know, when I was an immature young 20-something-year-old, uh, I could think of things or jokes because we don't know if he had gave her a real gift afterwards and, you know, he just wanted to play this joke and put it on the Internet of his, of his wife and everybody thinking it was, you know, real and he didn't get her nothing. We don't – there's a lot of unknowns there, you know, but – People saying that's a real man and and she should be happy and why she got this disappointed look and, you know, just comment after comment after comment. And it just all seemed, seemed ridiculous to me and, and illogical. Why would you crush the spirit, you know, of your significant other or anyone that you, you claim to love? And you paying the light bill. And it doesn't matter if you want gender shouldn't even matter. If you're the breadwinner of the house and you're paying these bills, that's your responsibility. And while it's nice that, you know, we acknowledge people or by, you know, something my ex-wife told me, probably one of the few compliments she ever gave me. I ain't, I'm not going I'm joking. You know, we got the ex-wife jokes, but she said, you know, reflecting on our marriage years after our divorce said that you were a good provider. And this is after entering into the other cohabitations and, you know, where she was the breadwinner and what have you. So, but gender doesn't matter. That's your responsibility. It should be appreciated, but you shouldn't be looking for, you know, that's not what, why even celebrate Christmas at all? Because you celebrate and you participate by wrapping up the gifts, which, you know, is where that tradition or custom comes from is the three kings who with the seed, the baby Jesus in the manger, bearing gifts, right? So that's how the people celebrate the birth of Christ. All that Santa Claus stuff, all of that, that's commercialization. You know, the U.S. economy, the reason a lot of people, including your family members, may have jobs is because of Christmas. Because as Dick Gregory said, uh, retailers and stuff will lose money all year just to wait on Christmas. Because that will carry them all through the rest of the year. Well, it's not just that business owner, but it's all the employees as well. So I ain't, you know, I'm not going, I'm, I'm not going, I'm going to recognize that a lot of people um, only means a lot because it's capitalism. Again, going back, should we, and uh, as a, um, media organization abandon this capitalist model for providing services. So uh, make sure y'all answer those questions. Um, but anyway, I just thought it was sad because, you know, that's so immature. Why even participate? Why even participate and do that to play this joke on this person, your significant other? And then, like I told my daughter, and she was like, I had to stage a video like uh, you just said. And I said, now, what if she had gave him uh, three boxes, let's say three gifts, all gift wrapped, and they had index cards in it, and one of them was a big old box, you know what I'm saying, like maybe it was an Xbox or something like that, and it had index cards in it that, that said sex, laundry, housekeeping, I don't know if they had any children, but you know, minding the children, what I mean, come on. Then many of us would say, "Well, that's the responsibility." Again, we don't want to um, assign 
roles by gender because you know there are some stay-at-home men and the woman is the breadwinner so and and, and taking care of the kids in the house and and all of that so but what is but we're dealing with a male and a female and he's putting himself out there like he the sole breadwinner we don't know if she had a part-time job or anything else she was contributing just think about that that is not good good a model for you to follow if you are cohabitating right now with a significant other and y'all celebrate that is so immature take it from an old g <laughs> take it from an old g uh, you might be alone on new year's eve okay <laughs> while she at the club with the girls and um yeah you snuggling at home with them likes and bringing in the new year uh with the people on the internet who like your video anyway moving on uh some serious news um Y'all know that y'all y'all may have heard um, or seen the video, speaking of viral videos, uh, where this black couple um, was in, what is it, Oregon, in this little town called Oregon. I shared it on in BTR community, um, but they were there Christmas shopping with, I don't know if it was his aunt or her aunt, um, another child who might have been an adolescent and um, a baby and y'all seen the white woman who was in the truck parked next to them and she had a, a big old hunting knife uh, in her hand calling them um, niggers and we don't censor the n-word on this radio station we try to be sensitive to the listeners but we don't censor that word um, because they don't sen people who use that word don't censor it Okay, but calling them niggers and what have you. And, you know, the woman was recording, the black woman, while still in the vehicle. And if you haven't seen that video, that's a good way to be codified behind the enemy lines if you don't have a firearm. And you shouldn't be traveling behind enemy lines without a firearm. You should not. All of these people... And, it, and we're not just going to uh, cite racist terrorists out there who want to commit hate crimes. We're going to put that on all the people out there who are murdering and killing people. Just going on public rampages and like they playing a video game or something like what what's the video game? I played it before some, you know, many, many, many years ago. Grand Theft Auto. We got people playing Grand Theft Auto in real life. Or was Grand Theft Auto based on real life things that was happening? Happening, So, you know, that, that can be paradoxical. But anyway, moving on. The black male was going to get out the car and confront her once she said the N-word or called him a nigger. Called his family niggers because she, you know, used the plural. And... He was going to confront her. She was like, no, don't get out. We in, we in this little old town that is a 90, I'm paraphrasing her words, 99% white. We might be the only black people going to this shopping mall at this time in this little old town, the 2000, in one of the whitest states in, in, in America. And you're going to get out the car and do what? And then if you ain't armed, you know, and even if you are armed, um, even if they got stand your ground, um, 
you know, or not. You have to think about the racial dynamics that's playing out in that confrontation. It should you survive. Because, you know, if you survive, unless you just happen to get a jury and a judge that's practicing justice and not injustice, you could find yourself in 21st century slavery and human trafficking here in the United States based off of um, your reaction. So I thought she gave him some good advice. She said, roll up the window because we know a woman got stabbed through the car window given whom she thought was a homeless couple or a homeless woman some change a couple of dollars whatever stabbed her in the chest so we got people like that running around so I thought she was particularly um, astute in telling him roll up my window and yeah you just drive off in a situation uh, like that but you should be armed because you know um uh, someone breaks your window then I say right there um, that it's reasonable to use whatever force is necessary including a firearm to protect yourself and your family's life alright and you know also I heard a person express a viewpoint on that and they said that videotaping these racist terrorists is making them more aggressive and I don't find the logic in that you know may it make some get even madder because now oh man you got my face on video and you're going to put it on the internet and I might lose my job and I'm going to get madder now yes that's possible that's possible but when that black woman started recording that terrorist woman with that butcher knife I mean hunting knife just a foot or two away from her open um, window that's when she started recording not before so this racist white woman then got out the car with a hunting knife threatening his family prior to the video being pulled pulled out, or excuse me, the uh, smartphone being uh, pulled out to document racism in America. So, I mean, it just depends on you. Nobody should, you have to come to your own conclusions. If I have no means to defend myself, if I'm scared of escalating the situation by simply pulling out my phone and documenting it, so I don't want to make this person I'm just going to run away well you know a lot of people do survive behind enemy lines running away but some people you know it's just something in us that will not let people just uh, trample our, our human dignity we're just not, not going to do it we, we have certain limitations we're not going to be run out of public spaces by terrorists and we'll have now again you have to base it your reaction to the facts on the ground like she assessed we're in a little white town in, in, in majority white Oregon in a majority white town of 2,000 people who, who probably live in the woods hunting and stuff and ain't nothing wrong with that we know they got militias out there that where Ted Bundy and them was from I think you know 
We know they're going to be armed. I bet she probably had, had you know, firearm in her truck. She just pulled the hunting knife. So that's assessing the situation. Do not get out the car and escalate this at Leslie. We got these babies in the car. We got my aunt or your aunt, elderly aunt in the car. And you by yourself. And you ain't got, even if you had a firearm, even if you had a knife to match her knife, you know, no, that's 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 not, I would say, a logical reaction to that situation. So you be the judge. You be the judge. All it's a lot of variables that you had to factor in, and and we just have to think and not react on on emotions. And fear is an emotion. You know, I'm gonna run away cause, cause um, you know, this white person called me a nigger. So no, nah, I'm not running. I may I may ask them like Mr. Fuller said, um, well what's a nigger? What's your definition of a nigger? If I ask them anything at all, because I may just keep keep stepping. And then if they pursue me, that's when that's when you go into combat mode, you know. You, you, you know. Y'all gamers know what I'm talking about. That, that's when you go into combat mode. So, you know, those are a couple of stories. And there's another story about this Missouri man in custody after a killing spree in St. Louis. And I just spoke to Sister Cece. She lives in, you know, that area. And he shot to death his girlfriend and her two young children. So that's how I knew it wasn't Cece because she had children, but they ain't young. Uh, you know, they're in their 20s and what have you. But... A St. Louis area man shot to death his girlfriend or her two young children and her mother in the home they all shared, authorities said Saturday, and exchanged gunfire with officers as he fled and was captured uh, several hours later at a convenience store, and he was covered in blood and wounded. So that's like fresh off the press uh, right there. And, he, you know, he could have got in the shootout or wanted to take hostages at the convenience store and you're not armed. And the reason I'm bringing up these stories about firearms, or one of the reasons is Kamala Harris, I don't think she's formally announced for 2020. Um, but, you know, on Twitter she was saying she promoted, I think they call it a meme, right? Uh, but it was an animated GIF. And it was like on laying out where she stands or her goals on gun control. And it had at the top universal background checks. It didn't have a check mark. It, you know, it had circles next to the things. It was like four of them. That did wasn't checked and it didn't wasn't, you know, crossed off the list. That's what they were doing. Um what was the next one? Ban bump stocks. They crossed that off the list because Trump just banned, you know, the future sale of bump stocks. And speaking of bump stocks, I was thinking earlier They'll probably get a contract with, with the U.S. military or uh, we're moving the area supplying other armies, you know, becoming part of that military-industrial complex because that's an ingenious um, that's an ingenious invention. But we got too many terrorists and crazy people in the world uh, to be giving them that kind of firepower. And, and so that's what I call reasonable gun control if we're talking about what civilians are um, allowed to have. And so what was the other ones that they wanted? Ban assault rifles. Well, you know, like I tweeted back to her, well, define assault rifle. 
because there are no M60 machine guns being sold at Walmart or or anywhere at sporting stores, wherever. They, they, you can't go on Amazon and order no M60 machine gun. That's what I would consider. Well, that's not even a rifle, though. So, you know, when you say, when yeah, uh, combat rifles, a rifle is a rifle. What makes it a combat rifle is how many rounds per minute or second can it fire? And all weapons sold to the public are one trigger, one shot. One trigger pull, one shot. Okay, that's a rifle. What we call or people know as uh, combat uh, rifles or assault rifles, military assault, they at least be able to do three-round bursts and fully automatic. That's what that's what soldiers carry. Civilians, they have to modify it, which, so, you know, there's the argument, was the bump stock a modification of the weapon, or was it just an attachment? Because you can buy attachments like a scope, that's an attachment. So I, I, I understand the debate that was going on about why, why they was put on the market to begin with. But, you know, I think it's reasonable to ban their sale. They are, but I don't see them going to round up people. And they shouldn't be going door to door trying to get everybody with a bump stop to turn it in. Or they could do a buyback program. That's usually how, how they do it. But I think that's reasonable. I think that's reasonable. But anyway, that's why I'm talking about gun control issues because, you know, we're about to hit 2019, so that's a year away from, I mean, that's when they start really gearing up with another um, presidential campaign, campaigning. Halfway through Trump's administration will be a third of the way through it uh, once, um, you know, the next vote takes place, or excuse me, um, when they start campaigning seriously. All right, so now, do you have a main topic that I wanted to discuss? Several topics that I wanted to discuss that go along with the headline. You know, we've been getting a lot of news um, saturation with one or two stories about children, um, refugee children, although they want to call them immigrants. Some of them might, are immigrants, migrants. So I guess some of them could, you know, migrant could apply. But I call them refugees. The ones that's filing for political asylum, that's a refugee. So how many are refugees versus immigration? But I don't want to go down that, that you know, that path of asking questions. And nobody should be abused. Everybody human rights should be respected as laid out in the uh, Universal Declaration of Human Rights, which... Uh, a majority of nations on the planet signed in 1948, I believe, or 49. So everybody's on the same page about agreed upon rights of, of human beings. I, I, I say adopt that. That's a good place to, uh, you know, to start because it's pretty comprehensive. But we've been getting saturated about these children dying. Um, what's his name? Lindsey Graham out of South Carolina, Senator Lindsey Graham, who's been pitching a fit about uh, pulling troops out the Middle East because, you know, he's an agent of, of APAC. I'm sure he gets lots of APAC money. And his, his military, military industrial complex uh, donors, 
people who profit from selling weapons and you don't get to keep selling weapons and ammunition if it's not being used so you know but he's calling for senate hearings a judicial hearing you know they have the judicial committee in the senate and he's calling for one for concerning these two children's deaths and it makes sense that he would pick those particular two because when you look at the facts of the case, these children were provided with medical attention. One of them taken to the hospital and, and given a prescription and whatnot, but they, they died from illnesses. The medical neglect part, that's debatable. And in one case, no, that child was not medically neglected. You can, if you want to argue, uh, what do they call that? Medical malfeasance or, you know, when a, when a doctor is does a very, very poor job. Malpractice is, is the word that they use. If you want to allege that, we can talk talk, talk about that. But I'm not going to uh, blame any of the individuals that, you know, came across these sick children because it was really one of the guards said he the child looks sick, so he got the child medical help. That's how we want, that's how human beings should act towards one another. Whether you know, and we could argue all day long about his his job is upholding the system and, and carrying out some um, orders that don't seem to jive with the Declaration of Human Rights and whether or not that's a personal decision and that's legitimate to bring up. But he did call him to get some help, to get this child some help. So what he, I think Lindsey Graham knows that they're not really going to uncover no abuse, but there are other reports where children have been sexually abused, physically abused, beaten, marks, you know, um, you can't have a Senate hearing and you just going to focus on those two deaths. Lindsey Graham, what kind of grandstanding is this, right? This is that misdirection type stuff. We, you know, and, but anyway, and we as American citizens, and I am one, and if you pay taxes, got a birth certificate issued by any state in the United States, if you got a social security number, you're a citizen too. And even if you're not, you're paying taxes through uh, buying stuff. And I wouldn't say selling stuff unless it's on the underground, but you're buying stuff, you're buying gas, you're buying all this stuff from these retail outlets. But anyway, we cannot allow a hearing of that magnitude at that level on just two children in ICE custody, which could also mean the GO group, or core civic, the private prison. We that's the details. I'm not clear on, or what is actual uh, ICE running this facility? No, it's more likely they contracted out to one of these private. They, they she could have been in a Walmart, um, not Walmart space, a uh, empty. Yeah, it was an empty Walmart that sold the property and they bought it and turned it into a private detention facility for for immigrants, but. We, this is happening not only to American children behind these enemy lines, and I say behind these enemy lines because our government treats us like, you know, our, we're their enemy. So, 
it's not just our children, U.S. children in this detention facilities being run by the same people, but it's also the adults. We got a tool for the other day, and I don't mean to sound callous or offensive to the family members or anybody who empathize with this woman who died in Alabama recently, who was pregnant in jail, was complaining of stomach pains, denied medical attention, U.S. citizen, Afro or African American, a.k.a. black American, she died. And her baby died. So we got a twofer right there. The mother and her child died in American jail. So where the congressional hearings on that? And why isn't the Congressional Black Caucus talking to the people and the public and on CNN and any other cable news outlets and stressing these same points that I'm making to you? Because I'm not a genius. I'm not this towering uh, intellectual giant. But I, I do tend to look at things and analyze things logically. And I tend to make pretty accurate observations. And I observe that American people are dying in jails, detention facilities, and prisons, be they private, state, or the federal government. And there has not been any congressional hearings or Senate judiciary hearings to my knowledge to find out why so many American citizens are dying in these jails and being mistreated and other abuses. Any abuse you can think of. Hell, uh, Daryl Rainey in Florida, the guards boiled the flesh or his skin from his body. That's what the coroner report said, even though this crooked coroner said that he couldn't determine though it was from the guards holding him in that scalding hot shower for hours, over an hour. That's the kind of correct, where the congressional hearings on that. These are American citizens. These ain't state issues. This ain't no, it is a state issue, but it's not strictly a straight state issue because these are American citizens that's being mistreated. So therefore, you know, all that states' rights stuff, that is, when, when it comes to people who have citizenship, you covered by the U.S. Constitution and federal laws. So it's, it's beyond, when they talk about state issues, that's them racists and them slavers and, and those people who can watch mistreatment of other human beings and not only, you know, but help, profit, help people profit from it and, of course, profit themselves these are the people that we have running in, in, in Lindsey Graham think he gonna stand up and act like oh I, I'm concerned about these two refugee children that died in quote unquote ICE custody no man you don't you can't have no judicial hearing on that and then, you know, any other, you know, I don't know who the Democrats are on it. I think Kamala Harris was on there, but I don't want her representing the issue unless she has uh, converted to abolitionism. Because at one time in California, she was arguing to um, to the U.S. government, to the, to the uh, SCOTUS, 
Supreme Court, they, they, um, we can't abide by um, your order, the lower court's order, that we release some people to ease overcrowding because this violates the Eighth Amendment on cruel and unusual punishment. So you either, you got to let them go or you got to come up with a plan where you're not throwing a hundred people to, in a cell, you know, and I'm, I'm, uh, you know, exaggerating a bit. I don't know the exact number, but the Supreme court said that they were overcrowded and that's what she argued. No, we can't let them go. And when I say she, let me be honest with you all and, and keep my credibility. She didn't personally argue this at the SCOTUS, but her associate attorneys under her working for her because her name is on, they were not the California Attorney General. Kamala Harris was the California Attorney General, therefore having to sign off on what was going to be argued in the federal courts. So, I think she may have kept her seat on the Judiciary Committee as a Democrat, but these are questions that need to be brought up. And she, or excuse me, not she, but any Democrat or Republican, any person that's really about upholding justice, but especially if they're trying to build themselves as progressives, they need to bring up the abolishment of, of the uh, U.S. government, federal government, using private prisons. That's relevant to this hearing. So I'm not saying the hearing's a bad thing, but I'm saying we, the people, cannot allow Lynch Graham to narrowly put the focus of a judicial uh, hearing on just these two children. But let's talk about it all. So that, you know, I'm interested in hearing your thoughts. And I'm going to share some, some news articles. You know, I got to do my research. And, you know, let me move on from that and tell you some of the other topics that we'll jump on on the other side of the top of the hour. Again, if you have any questions or comments, jump in at any time. I haven't even been watching my board, but that number is... 704-802-5056 hit the star key twice to unmute uh, your mic but um, some of the other things that, that I want to bring up I actually published an article on, on this subject uh, earlier today and I'll turn it into a podcast later I got uh, pulled away from my desk to drop my daughter off at the airport and uh, didn't get to record it. But I published it because I write stuff up. You know, and it got links. But it's titled, Blaming Trump. Iraqis demand the removal of U.S. forces for the umpteenth time. And what what is focusing on is the mainstream media, lamestream media. Um, yeah, I know Sarah Palin uh, coined that term, but it is accurate. But the lamestream media, the mainstream media, the corporate media, the AKA fake news, they will have you believe that the Iraqi troops, I mean, excuse me, the Iraqi people through their legislators, their representatives in their parliament, uh, just now asked the United States to remove its forces from their soil because Donald Trump visited the troops 
in a surprise visit and he didn't phone ahead and tell the Iraqi president that he's coming in. He's going to fly in and what his flight plan was and, and all of that. And see, this is when you know you're dealing with some Trump derangement syndrome. Um, that more applies to the readers and not the publishers or the consumers and not the publishers and producers. But that's not even that's not even an issue. Does it make sense, especially if you don't trust this government to and you think they might even have it's not even a matter of trust, but you don't trust their security. And I'm going to tell you when the president of the United States and the commander in chief, what flight he's on, what his flight path is and give you days uh, where he's going and no, 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 that, that would be illogical. That would be totally violate operational security, but people are making an issue of it and it's not a real issue. The issue is why is, well, there's a number of issues. The issue is why is mainstream media trying to blame Trump for the Iraqis telling them to leave after his unannounced visit when they said, when did you see this much reporting? While there was some reports, but, you know, was it being used to bash Trump in March of this year? Again, it's the last day of 2018, but in March 2018, the Iraqi parliament passed a resolution supported by a vast majority. It was probably like 99% to 1 or 99 to 1 to demand, not ask, the uh, United States military remove its troops from Iraqi soil. That was back in March. And then, as the article I wrote for you uh, documents, seven years before now, the Atlantic reported back in 2011 um, on a speech that Barack Obama gave declaring that the last 43,000 U.S. troops will leave Iraq. He was calling an end to the fight against ISIS. This is seven years ago in Iraq. He said they were defeated, but he did not withdraw the troops, as we obviously know, because they're still there today. So Trump is giving no indication that he plans on removing the troops from uh, Iraq, despite their sovereignty. But Trump will talk about other nations must respect our sovereignty while occupying, and there's no other word for it that more accurately describes U.S. troops in Iraq or Syria. You're not an invited guest. Therefore, you are unwanted house guests. You are occupying Talk about Occupy Wall Street. They they practicing Occupy Iraq, Occupy Syria, Occupy 180 bases around the world. You know what I'm saying? In over 100 countries. So, yeah, I think the United States government does the Occupy movement better um, than what the masses of activists have um, um, were able to achieve back in some time ago. Because I believe that movement has dissipated itself. You know, those issues live on primarily now through Bernie Sanders' uh, policy platform. So anyway, moving on. 
you know, I'm not on here to defend Trump. Y'all know me better than that. But we are not supposed to be moved by our emotions, our hatred, or our fear to just buy into and help circulate information without asking the right questions. This is how you should read everything or anything you're listening to. Does this person know the proper definition of the word he just used? Is he using it in the proper context? Wait a minute. Why is NBC saying, uh, doing an article saying that Donald Trump is the first president since 2002 to not visit troops in the field? As if that's some kind of requirement now. You know, some, oh, and, and then getting into the name calling, very immature. But, you know, again, it's like gang warfare, basically. I mean, it's just, it's, it's political warfare. And, and they cultivate a gang mentality where the facts don't matter. It's loyalty to the colors. So, They're asking that question like Trump just did this and he's a coward. And that means if 2002, that means since George W. Bush, the son who was president on two th in 2001, that's saying that since him, no other president, you know, every president after him visited the troops in the field when I bet you it was only once. Or twice. And it was for a photo op. Of course it is. Because you're actually putting the troops at risk in the field with such a high profile visit. You're putting them at risk. People would love your enemies on, on the battlefield with love to get that intelligence, get that information, and launch a large scale attack. So that's that's probably the most logical reason that presidents, CEOs, and commander in chiefs all wrapped up in the one did not visit troops in combat zones. But that's that fake news that Trump talks about. And it's not in, in defense of Trump because everything we call fake ain't fake. But you have to ask yourself why? Why is this an issue? Why do they want to keep the uh, these U.S. troops in the Middle East in this hostile of environment where they're not wanted by the countries, the population through their elected government, even though you did some regime change and tried to do in the case of, of Syria, um, never mind Libya, you just abandoned the people of Libya to terrorism and, and open-air slavery where African migrants are being hung from their hills upside down and like like a side of beef and sold as slaves. That's still going on, y'all. And America did that. There's consequences to your foreign policy. Why do these people want to keep, and y'all heard the troops cheering when they said, oh, we're withdrawing from Syria. We're going to stop being the police, uh, policemen of the world. I mean, think about it. Do you know why the VA system is really overburdened? It ain't because they ain't been providing uh, any kind of uh, money or allocating any kind of money in the budget budget for VA services. 
It's just that they will have to increase those services as much as the Pentagon's budget. What did Trump give them? Seven hundred billion, almost a trillion dollars. You need to do in kind, an equal amount to cover VA services. Cause how long we been at war? in one place or another and when I say war I'm not talking about formal declarations of war but I'm talking about conflicts some legal by the standards of international law some illegal that's when they call uh, start crying American exceptionalism so you know Trump said it, it conveyed and of course we don't know if he gonna follow through on his words Obama said he was bringing 47,000 troops home from Iraq back in 2011 so you know uh, uh, they can say a lot of things it's the follow through but I'm talking about the media reaction the Democrats reaction you know just in the pro-war military industrial proprietor trolls that's out here trying to influence your opinion these is these are things that um we should not just simply uh buy into without examining the facts and asking the right questions is this logical well how are we benefiting and those troops were cheering hearing about we're going to withdraw look at how long they've been fighting how many friends been killed? How many how many soldiers have and airmen and and everybody else? How many limbs had they lost? That's why the VA system is 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 um acting like it's on the verge of collapse. It's overburdened. You've been producing casualties of war in the, from the U.S. military in these unnecessary conflicts for how long now? I've heard it's been constant since Vietnam, but it's actually been, um, I would say, 80% of America's history. They've been doing this. I was watching the History Channel. They was talking about the war on 1812 and what have you, but a lot of people, and they, of course, put it in uh, the United States of America in good light. But the reason the British attacked and set Washington, D.C. on fire. I think it was Washington, D.C., right? Or was it Philadelphia? I'm not sure. But anyway, I can't recall right now. But anyway, the reason the British invaded during the War of 1812 was because the Americans, uh, and this was private and government partnerships, attacked the British colony in Canada, burnt them, killed people, destroy their property because they want to expand northward and take that territory too so that's what that that's what that was about so I mean when has the United States of America Incorporated not been at, at, at war casualties casualties ca- it, man and, and instead of you not agreeing with Trump but agreeing with the logic that the U.S. taxpayer can't continue to fund all these wars where we so-called fighting for the rights or the, uh, uh, you know, these people right to be colonized capitalistically, you know, because they overthrow countries where they practice some kind of what they call socialism or communism, you know. 
They violently will fund groups to overthrow. That's you know. But anyway, move. I got to move on. I got to move on because uh, I'm like one minute away. So you know, I'm, I, I want to bring up, uh, toss that out there. Um, I'll you know share some information on that. And I, this is also related to Donald Trump's speech, which in my article I do link to the White House speech. You know, uh, you can lay aside the stuff where he lied about the and didn't know or got some wrong information about the uh, pay increases for the military. You've been getting a whole lot of media headlines about that and him saying stuff. And most of it, but 80 percent of the noise is um, is propaganda, it's political propaganda. And that's not to because you can't defend a liar. A lie is what it is. And some people, somebody said, I think that they um, put out a poll or something saying that, no, Jared Kushner allegedly said that Trump lies to his base because he knows they're stupid. Something to that matter. You know, I saw it right before coming on air. And I was like, you know, that's possible. But Trump strikes me just off of observing him through digital media because I've never seen him in person, never been around him, but, you know, he strikes me, as, so I'm definitely speculating here, but he strikes me as a person who's a pathological liar and that's just his his nature is to tell lies and to exaggerate. I think we all know people like that. They just, you know, you call it exaggeration, we call it a lie. Because we not, you know, what else? You exaggerating on the facts. The what fact? The fact that they're getting a pay raise, but how big it is. So, you know, I think he cannot help himself. I think the term is pathological liar when there's no need to lie, but I, that's just my default behavior. <laughs> it is to lie even when I don't have to lie. I think that's Trump. But I asked the question, do a lot of these special interest groups that are controlled and have spaces in what we call corporate or mainstream media, do they think we are stupid and, and are not going to fact check and are not going to put in the necessary time to gather those facts and then the necessary time to set aside whether or not I like this person personally or what is the policy what's the central policy issue here what are we talking about I'm not going to be against the withdrawal of US troops and then use propaganda to say him withdrawing those troops make him look weak or he's putting national security in danger just be simply because even though there's no logic in that you can't bag that up you can argue a day long but I think the facts on the ground show that that's illogical so you know we have to really really get into the habit of critically thinking and digesting and dissecting uh, these things but let me take my station identification break before I do that I want to put out the poll questions you could leave an answer in a, a blog on Black Talk Radio Network or the podcast um, or the article wherever you're listening to um, this or when you listen to it uh, you know let us know but here are the poll questions for 2019. 
Should the Black Talk Media Project, which is a North Carolina-based nonprofit, abandon the capitalist model and start offering free services on Black Talk Radio Network? Now, let me say this. For those that have existing services where you're listing or leasing um, a server from us, whether it's yearly or monthly or annually, um, biannually, um, your contracts will remain Enforce even the ones on the month to month. Long as you use the service, you know, because um, you may want to just maintain your stuff off on your own platform that you have, you know, like the Conscious Black Business Network. Um, so we're not going to cut off your service or anything like that. Um, we appreciate it if if you continue that service or become a thirty dollar a year. A contributor or a donor to the Black Talk Media Project and get the services for free. So it's up to you. And again, because we can't compete with YouTube, we can't compete with other uh, places that give you free uh, service because they're supported by corporate advertisement. We're we are not. Why? Because this is unfiltered grassroots radio where people are able to engage in free thinking, share their opinions, and and sometimes those opinions are wrong, but they should have the right to express those wrong opinions, as Dave Attendo Radio Show would say, uh, within reason. But what are the free services? Free services would include uh, access to a digital radio service, audio video podcast, hosting, that means you can upload videos, um, you can upload your podcast like we do uh, and distribution services you may already uh, have your main base operation somewhere else well you can import those using tools from like YouTube or Blog Talk Radio or other places where you host your podcast or video so uh, the free cert this quote unquote and you will have to, uh, get technical support like we've provided all these years, and uh, optional membership to our social media community, BTR community. Um, it, again, this will be a perk. Basically, it's how you classify it because we are, um, a, will be abandoning the capitalist model. And so this will be a perk for a $30 per year donation slash contribution to the nonprofit. And again, another perk. You'll be able to monetize your your content for those who do decide, because some of you may not, you know, you just want to support, and you may not write an article, you may not publish a blog, you may not upload a video, you may not do a podcast, you may not host a radio station. But for those who do, you will, have, for the first time in our 10 years, you'll be able to individually monetize your content using our in-house ad distribution software, um, which displays, you know, your different ad codes from whatever network you belong to, uh, upload images, video, and get an email report on impressions. That's how many people saw the ad. You monitor that you can share with your sponsors or your advertisers, so you will have that ability. Um, now, should or should the Black Talk Media Project just simply put up a paywall that only allows donors slash contributor and, and contributors to view? If we do that, then that means some of our current clients will have to host their radio station on their own platform or their own blog or whatnot. It's very simple. 
you know, you still be able to manage, manage everything um, because you may not want your listeners to be contributing to the Black Talk Media Project, and so you object to the paywall. Well, you know, then you have a blog, you can post it, post your media on your blog, and, and we'll show you how to do that. But anyway, should we put up a paywall that only allow those who support it with financial donations can see the stuff, listen to the live radio broadcast, even see the podcasts, you know, we, we'll put that up in the air, or should we do both? are the questions uh, that I would like to put forth to you as we move forward in 2019. All right, so I'm going to take a station identification break, kick some music, um, warm up my coffee, and then I'll get into some of the details of everything I just laid out for you. Because you might want some facts, you may, and you shouldn't just take my word for it without me giving you my sources. Or who's saying what? And of course, if you follow me, if you are a current member of btrcommunity.com, uh, follow BTR News with Scotty Reed, and you'll uh, get access to the links there. Although I do believe I put them in the uh, podcast description as well, but at least we can talk about things or comment uh, going back and forth with each other about anything you heard or anything I've listed there. Uh, we can communicate directly with each other okay so let me go ahead and cue this up i will be changing up my intro music i'm just trying to do some fresh things bring some fresh ideas because to keep it real um it's not a given that black talk radio network or the black talk media project will survive uh 2019 um because of the lack of financial support so that's why uh we're talking about abandoning the capitalist model and you know seeing where this goes all right you're listening to black talk radio news i will because of my health issues i'm not going to no longer commit to doing a live schedule of radio broadcast it depends on how i'm doing physically that day so if you want to be notified you should follow uh, Black Talk Radio on Twitter. Subscribe to the entire uh, network platform. Get your email, you know, description. Anytime anybody publishes anything, go to blacktalkradionetwork.com um, to get that. Or if you're on Facebook, follow Black Talk Radio Network on uh, Facebook. So we'll be back on the other side. And we are going to wish you a early Happy New Year's. Hope it's better than the last one.
white supremacy is a system. And what does white supremacy really mean? It just doesn't mean somebody being in charge. No one should care about who's in charge of anything. If the person is not mistreating people, white supremacy is about mistreating people based on what? Based on the color in the skin of those people who are being mistreated. That's all it is. It's a form of mistreatment. There are all kinds of mistreatment in the world, but that's the greatest form of mistreatment. That's why it's supreme, because it's the greatest form of mistreatment. If you want to look for mistreatment of the people anywhere on the planet, most people are being mistreated based on color. That's what it is. Mm. You know, if it's just two people on earth, I mean, one person might mistreat another person just because the person is jealous or, or mm-hmm. envious or something. Yeah. All kinds of ways to mistreat people for all kinds of reasons. But this business about racism is about mistreating people based on He's color. Wanna look a certain way, wanna chill, you wanna stop that 
crazy that you in this generation is raised up with pure laziness. In my further day, in this, I know it. They want to put in their headphones and skate to the world. They want to get up on their cell phone and play with little girls. I can dig it to about five feet, 11 inches. But the last inches, when my digging stops, I don't do ditches. I won't put you to death. I brought you life through my sperm and my music. Yeah, I brought it twice. Are we doing it? Live and direct. You feel how true we is. I witness it to the beauty of life. Music is the rest of development. Powerful. We influence the music and revolution until we see more solutions. Hey. You feel how true we is. Eyewitnesses to the beauty of life. Music is arrested, development, powerful. We influence the music and revolution until we see more solutions. Hey, everybody, shake your head. Check out the devil now. Lazarus, raising the dead. Come out the tools, child. We're alive now. We're alive now. We're alive now. Live it. and we need to redefine revolution. This planet needs a people's revolution, a humanist revolution. Revolution is not about bloodshed or about going to the mountains and fighting. We'll fight if we are forced to. But the fundamental goal of revolution must be peace. of the mind. We need a revolution of the heart. We need a revolution of the spirit. The power of people is stronger than any weapon.
2008, providing new black media for the masses. Back to Black Talk Radio News. Hey, I haven't played this in a while. This is Sincere Naquari. Um, if you're not familiar with that name, you might be if you listen to Tando Radio Show, which usually comes on Mondays through Fridays at 6 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time on our station, uh, Black Talk Radio, and, of course, the podcast and everything else on Black Talk Radio Network. But anyway, he is the one who produced that intro for that program where, you know, talking about Libya and Gaddafi uh, and his goal. I forget the exact name of it, and I don't have it pulled up, but he he's responsible for the intro music of Chando Radio Show. But this is his track, Don't Let the Ch- Church sh- uh, Shoes Fool You. And there's a reason I chose this track when I saw it in uh, one of my playlists, and I was like, because I had planned to do a podcast or write an article, which is usually the same process. And sometimes why I publish the article with a podcast, which is just the spoken word version of the article. But um, I had pontificated on social media about addressing Christophobia in the black community or people who who are classified as black in the system of racism practicing um, white supremacy, that's how they practice uh, racism, and through law, gotta include the laws and and what have you, but anyway, there is a segment of, of that population that has an irrational fear and even hatred to hear the context of how they speak about black Christians, but I mean, it's like it's not logical it solves no problem and it violates the declaration of human rights where people are free to and their right to should be respected and protected by law to practice whatever religious or spiritual belief they want to engage in as long as it's not harming other people okay that's when it's a problem when you harm other people, and there are those in various institutions, not just the religious or church institutions, that take advantage 
of people and, and commit fraud. But I can see calling that out. But that's then used to practice Christophobia. And I would even say, I'm a coin a term. I thought, you know, I, I was um, shocked to find out that I didn't come up with Afro or Afra. We'll just say Afro-Americophobia for the irrational fear and seeming hatred towards people who classify as African-American, Afro-American, or Black American. But... I need to start calling this because I'm calling it out specifically in my own community, even though it exists worldwide. But black Christophobia. Because the things that people are saying, like they're cowards and all they do is turn the other cheek, that is not supported by the preponderance of the evidence. And as I said recently, the black resistance on this continent and mainly throughout the Caribbean as well, uh, those black people were practicing Christianity. doesn't matter how it was introduced to them. You could introduce something to somebody, but you can't make them practice it. That's why you have people all over the planet, including Africa, who have never been the victims of slavery, and they practice Christianity because certain aspects of it resonate with them. Same with Islam, same with Judaism. All three of those are Afro-Asiatic religious uh, beliefs. Look up the word and Semite. Uh, look up the word Afro-Asiatic or Semite, which is a subgroup within the Afro-Asiatic culture. So the Afro, of um, the Afro, again, I got to get these terms correct using them for the first time, this Afro-Christophobia don't make no sense to me. And it's definitely not, not constructive, and it causes more problems than it solves. And I'm going to do a podcast about that, and, you know, we, we will use that, that music. Don't let the church shoes fool you about what I believe or who I am or what Christians uh, or people like me believe, black ones particularly. So moving on. Because of health reasons, I'm going to go through these quickly. But in case you think I was just giving you some propaganda to support my positions, you know, this stuff is documented. And um, I'm sorry I didn't post the links to the BTR News promo page, which will later become the podcast. But I will put a link, we'll call them my program notes, to the BTR community dot com page where you know today's program and the supporting documentation is, is right there so I'm, I'm gonna go through these because i basically already argued my point of view during the first hour but again we cannot let lindsey graham hold or call for or the entire judiciary committee hold a hearing to address the treatment of refugee children in these detention facilities separated from their parents, we can't let a hearing just be about these two cases or just about immigrant, refugee, or migrant detention and the treatment of children when this is happening all across the United States to everyone, including American citizens. You're going to especially have a, a hearing in the U.S. Senate, you better be talking about how American citizens are being impacted, Lindsey Graham. But here's an article from CNN. Now, I will share articles from CNN because 
a lack of other sources, but I'm boycotting their cable news network since they fired. And I should have done this a long time ago. They have a history of firing, firing black people, um, giving them the Colin Kaepernick treatment. But uh, followed, uh, fired uh, Dr. Mark Lamont Hill because of him calling out anti-Semitism directed at the Palestinian people by Ashkenazi, mainly Ashkenazi, Jews who speak Yiddish and they are helped and we got to acknowledge the truth even though they being mistreated for some reason those Ethiopian Jews are siding with them Ashkenazi uh, European Jews to oppress the Palestinians now I know they got mandatory draft in Israel and but still though sometimes we are called upon to make tough decisions and resist drafts like Muhammad Ali didn't want to go kill Vietnamese people and he gave us reasons why very legitimate logical reasons so but again sometimes we just want to simply blame people based on skin color but as Mr. Fuller was saying during that clip mistreatment is mistreatment then it shouldn't matter who what the skin color of is the person who's doing the mistreating, but the mistreatment needs to stop nonetheless. And we need to figure out ways, including all the variables, to bring about an end to that mistreatment. But I digress. Let me get back to CNN. I just had to give that, because I, I wanted to tell you about my boycott of CNN, um, cable news network. But handcuffs, this is an article that was written by Blake Ellis, co-written, I should say, Blake Ellis, Melanie Hicken, and Bo Bob Ortega uh, for a CNN investigation report. Handcuffs, assaults, and drugs called vitamins. Children allege grave abuse at migrant detention facility. Um, now, this is a fairly long article, and they give you like John Doe scenarios where these are supposed to be based on real children, but they're not sharing their names. But I don't, I mean, if they filed a lawsuit and some have, uh, the name should be public, but they're, they're children. So again, um, children do have certain protections as I recall. But anyway, they give you, um, these case scenarios cause one of them has, is working its way through the courts. But let me jump down to the propaganda. So the Office of Refugee Settlement did not respond. Okay, these are still, we're going to, going through this very long article, man, giving you these individual cases of abuse. And I was thinking today, man, I don't know how many digital pages it would took if I listed every child who was mistreated in juvenile detention facilities or an adult jail or any jail or prison in the United States. Juveniles, that means under 18. The universal agreed upon definition of a juvenile, a teen, a child. I would, you know, I, working by myself, I, it probably would take me a year to put all those names together because of the research that it would take. So again, Glad they sharing the information, but nowhere in this article do they link it or link the companies, because some of these are private companies, to facilities that's holding American citizens, including our, our, 
are juveniles. And there's some people profiting from this. So, man, it's just way too much here. It's way, I shouldn't say it's way too much, but they really, really emphasizing, emphasizing the individual cases. They're personalizing it. How separated children are joining a troubled system. Government officials have given inconsistent accounts of the precise number of children split from their families since the start of the zero tolerance policy that was announced on May 7th. And um, Robert Gates, uh, the departing chief of staff of Donald Trump, going out the dose, blaming it on Jeff Sessions, who has been fired as well. You know, it's debatable if Gates resigned, but Jeff Sessions was fired. And it was a good thing that he was fired, but Trump still signed off on it. But anyway, it goes on to say Border Patrol spokesman Brian Hastings said that, and they're still practicing, said that between May 5th and June 9th, agents separated 2,342 children from their parents who crossed illegally. That doesn't include minors arriving by themselves or minors who arrived at ports of entry with parents seeking asylum, so they even separating those children. Though government officials have denied they split up families. Um, no thank you, CNN, I don't want to subscribe. Um, though the government officials have denied they split up uh, families there, the American Civil Liberties Union is suing Homeland Security on behalf of several asylum seekers whose children were taken after they presented themselves legally at ports of entry. And it, it, it's a lot more. Now, where are the parallels of how American citizens are being treated? To this. So I guess I, I can boil it down by saying this. Why is anyone surprised? And do you think this just started happening now? I'm talking about all the mistreatment, not necessarily the family separation, but the mistreatment, the abuse, the alleged sexual assaults, the uh, 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 physical abuse, psychological abuse. But why did anybody expect refugees to be treated any better than American citizens are being treated in the same facilities run by the same people. When Beto O'Rourke said that he wants to close that immigrant detention facility with all them little children in it, he didn't say nothing about the one being named by a whistleblower in his home state when Dominique Mitchell, who I'll let you hear from now directly, he didn't say we have to have congressional hearings. He didn't call on state legislators to have, you know, uh, um, um, their hearings, even though the administrator finally has been fired. But this is evidence of systemic abuse. But I didn't hear Beto O'Rourke, who is supported by uh, Democrats, backed by, by conservative um, billionaires, pushing Beto O'Rourke. And getting mad cause people, you know, calling him out on his less than stellar record. But he didn't call for he cared more about it is seen you you know, it seems on the surface he cares more about these immigrant refugee children than he do children in his own state, other Texans, let alone American citizens. Who is he grandstanding? He don't really care about those children. 
um, or any child because he's just grandstanding for 2020 or he's concerned about the United States being embarrassed on the international level. So let me go out here and show at least some of us are, are concerned and we want to adhere to the standards of human rights or the uh, Universal Declaration of Human Rights and International Law. But that's pretty, that's pretty crappy of him to fight for the rights of refugee children. And we all should under the Declaration of Human Rights, but it's pretty crappy of him to, to use this opportunity to to campaign on but not associated as a systemic problem in America America that's been happen, happening to Americans for I guess 150 years ever since uh, prisons and jails replaced the plantation so uh, let, this is Dominique Mitchell this is what she says is going on in Texas to American Children, this is happening. I hope this does help change. I'm so passionate about working with the kids, and I truly believe I'm doing the right thing. I worked at the Courage Youth Offender Program that housed kids aged 14 to 17 years of age. I worked for four years at the Courage Program as a program supervisor, and in my first year, there was incidents that were reported to me of kids being physically um, abused by officers, in which I reported as soon as I found out. I was often told that that's not what we do. You got to be loyal to the Courage Program. Um, officers would not be held accountable for doing that. And I told them from 2013 that I would not stop reporting um, any type of um, abuse or anything. It had to be investigated. I asked for the officers to show me uh, the videos of the excessive use of force because kids, too many kids were coming with bruises on them. There was incidents of abuse in a sense of neglect, not providing food. They weren't required to have three meals per day. They weren't getting that. A monthly basis, I was sending emails, I need help. I was concerned about my own safety because I was getting threatened by officers in there that were telling me to mind my business, that this is security, it's about security. Uh, if they, they told me if the kids um, shouldn't have brought their um, self in there if they didn't want to be subjected to this. So there was uh, four years that I worked there, I reported abuse numerous times and never was it reported to the Texas Department of Family and Protective Services even though I requested the assistant director, the former um, program director, I asked the wardens to address it, to investigate it, no one ever did. Again, the culture of TDCJ is, is retaliation. You report something, more than likely you will be lose your job, you'll be demoted. I was told oftentimes to keep my mouth quiet. This is security. It has nothing to do with you. So that's that's from a mainstream local source, uh, Dallas News, in the state of Texas. This is what's happening to American children, citizens, as being reported by somebody who worked on the inside, whose conscience, whose mor morality and ethical code could not allow her to turn a blind eye to the mistreatment of these children without putting her, even her personal safety at risk to consistently uh, monitor the situation and report it because she could have just quit and not stuck it out for four years taking threats and uh, where is the congressional investigation and I'm where is the senate judiciary committee 
Because these are American citizens. We're not going to allow it to be narrowly defined as a problem only for the citizens of Texas. And this is not a states' rights issue. These are American citizens. Their civil rights are being violated along with their constitutional rights. You know, as I cited at the beginning of the program, Eighth Amendment, where's the investigation being called for by Mr. Beto? Where is the um, calls for the acting attorney general, U.S. attorney general at the Justice Department? Where's the investigation? We know Jeff Sessions was telling police departments on his way out the door, even before he went out the door, that we they don't have to abide by these federal consent decrees because we come in and investigate it and, and penalizing you for violating the rights of American citizens. That's when the feds get involved. So any abuse that's happening in your county jail, your city jail, your state prisons, these private uh, companies that's running these facilities, or the federal government, the vast majority of the people incarcerated or enslaved are American citizens. So, excuse me if I don't allow you to get one past me and because and, I'm concerned about every human being's right to not to be mistreated. The classification of these victims doesn't matter to me. They're victims of injustice. Now, moving on, as I mentioned in the first hour, you had these, the you, the media is, is trying to play us, playing you for stupid, like you don't pay attention and don't research. Maybe that might apply to some of y'all, you know, I guess stupid is, is stupid does the, the quote align from Forrest Gump, but I just, I linked to a Google search. The search is Iraqis demanding U.S. troops leave. I'm going to read some of the headlines. Iraqi lawmakers demand U.S. withdrawal troops after surprise Trump visit. That's from The Guardian four days ago. Iraqi lawmakers demand U.S. troops withdrawal after Trump's surprise visit. That's NBC News five days ago. Iraqi politicians fuming after Trump's visit demand U.S. forces leave. That's from the L.A. Times four days ago. Uh, Iraqi lawmakers demand U.S. troops to withdraw after Trump visit four days ago from uh, PBS. Uh, Iraqi lawmakers demand U.S. withdrawal after Trump visit four days ago from the political um, and, and all the headlines. It's like that. And is that technically true? Yes, they did issue a demand that U.S. troops leave after Trump's surprise visit, which if I was the commander-in-chief or president or CEO of America Incorporated, I wouldn't tell them either. Hell, I represent a nation that's responsible for a million Iraqi deaths since, you know, George Bush's, let's not even total up from H.W. Bush, who originally launched the Gulf War, his body count plus Junior's body count and Clinton in between 
And then every president afterwards who, uh, you know, who comes, uh, Barack Obama, how many Iraqis have died? What's that body count? So I wouldn't tell them I'm coming either if I'm, if I'm in that position. Matter of fact, as I stated at the beginning, it makes better sense not to go in all and not cave to this false, this false uh, uh, standard that you, you know, NBC News talking about Trump becomes first president that doesn't visit troops in the combat zone since 2002. Well, guess what? There's a whole bunch of presidents prior to 2002 that never did it either. I credit George Bush for, um, you know, setting the standard for photo ops with the U.S. troops, which is political. So Trump ain't done nothing no different than than any of the others. Um, but I'm not going to criticize him for doing what a majority will actually for him not trusting Iraqi intelligence to keep secret. Uh, his flight plan and how he was traveling and where he was traveling to. But see, that's the things you got to worry about when you illegally occupying a place where they not on not just said demanded that U.S. troops withdraw cause of this surprise visit, but again, as I stated, just in March, a similar demand was issued by the Iraqis. The Reuters reported letting it load up. Let me uh, close some of these other articles for my stuff lock up. Uh, Iraqi parliament demands timeline for foreign troop withdrawal. That is by Ahmed Rashid and Ahmed Abu Linen. Um, this was published March the 1st, 2018 at 8.17 a.m. that morning. Baghdad, Reuters, Iraq's parliament demanded on Thursday that the government set a timeline for the withdrawal of foreign troops stationed in the country to help fight the Islamic State insurgents. A ruling coalition of lawmakers said a U.S.-led coalition was formed in 2014 and with thousands of troops and air support helped Iraqi security forces and a Kurdish-led Syria militia roll back ISIS across large swaths of Iraq and Syria and destroy the cross-border caliphate Caliphate set up by the jihadists. Iraqi Prime Minister Haider al-Abadi declared victory over ISIS in December. So, you know, these people saying that Trump saying ISIS has been defeated, well, it seems like the president of Iraq agrees, and he should know better than NBC News or any other military-industrial complex uh, lobbyists and propagandists they have hired as contributors are saying that oh oh this is national security as Dominique Mitchell kept saying them guards was telling oh this is about security we gotta violate people's rights so here we have that argument on a federal level in the in the area of waging war they've asked you to leave and you are not respecting their sovereignty in the name of security, you're violating their rights. Okay? So, this was back in March. Now, I would not have you think that this that was the earliest that Iraqi troops, I mean, excuse me, American troops on Iraqi soil were 
not asked, but demanded to leave. They saw we've completed the mission. This was back in 2011 during a different administration, the preceding administration of Barack Obama with Hillary Clinton as Secretary of State. TheAtlantic.com reported in October of 2011 in an article written by Yoshi Dresden, President Obama, U.S. troops are leaving because Iraq doesn't want them there. This is October the 21st, 2011. President Obama announced that he had kept the campaign promise by ending the war, but he didn't have much of a choice. President Obama's speech formally declaring that the last 43,000 U.S. troops will leave Iraq by the end of the year was designed to mask an unpleasant truth. The troops aren't being withdrawn because the U.S. wants them out. They're leaving because the Iraqi government refused to let them stay. And if I remember correctly, and memory serves me well, um, they had actually had a written contract of how long they were to be stationed there. And I think they refused to renew that contract and authorization. This was during the Obama administration, but we're still there. Obama campaigned on ending the war in Iraq, but had instead spent the past few months trying to extend it. A 2008 security deal between Washington and Baghdad called for all American forces to leave Iraq by the end of the year. But the White House, anxious about growing Iranian influence, what it look, their government is predominantly Shia. They have a lot in common with the uh, um, majority of the, they have a religious um, commonality with the majority of the Iranian population. That's none of our business. Who are you to talk, talk about? That's like, think of it in this terms. That's like Somebody trying to break up a friendship between two people because they don't want the other person to influence them to do something good versus how you want to manipulate them into doing something bad. And then so I'm going to interject myself into that relationship and uh, force my will. That's what we're talking about. I'm, that probably wasn't a good analogy, but I tried. Um, but again, I don't need to read anymore, do I? U.S. troops was supposed to be out of Iraq at the end of not Obama's first term, but his first year. It's an illegal occupation, so everybody you see in mainstream media, on social media, are making it abundantly clear that they are colonizers. They are occupiers. Now, I'm not going to use the term white supremacists because all of them ain't white. This is about American empire building. And there's a lot of different people from different groups that are participating, that work in the U.S. government. So um, we're not just going to put it all on one group. It's a collective effort. They are occupiers. Why do you think you don't? And then, you know, you talk about you care about the troops, but, you know, you want to keep creating casualties. But you care, you care, you claim you care about them. Why don't you be one of those people to be stationed in a country, in the middle of a country where the government, the elected government, has demanded that you lead a soil and they're expressing the will of the people that you lead 
but you're blatantly occupying that land. It's a wonder every Iraqi citizen isn't attacking our troops. But you claim you care about them. Now you you be imagine being of the person deployed, like Dave says on Tando Radio Show. We got a bunch of political serial killers and not just the ones in office, I would add, but on the internet, talking heads on TV, a bunch of political serial killers who who want to fight wars that they don't have to fight, who want to wage wars that they don't want to have to fight. They ha- you know, you are not the ones in danger of getting maimed or killed. You are not bearing the responsibility other than the tax burden. And then you wonder why your communities are deprived, why we don't have infrastructure, why college education isn't a right for all who want to attain. That makes a better society, a better population, the more educated they are. But education, and not indoctrination, but true education and exposure to critical thinking and higher forms of thinking, that's not conducive to when you want to control the population. And as Malcolm X said, the best way to control them is through media because media controls the minds of the masses. That's why you put the lobbyists, the military, private uh, contractors on TV as paid experts. That's why you pay a general, a retired general, and generals never serve on the front lines. But that's why you you bring them on to push for war. You're going to wage war, you ought to have a mandatory draft, I say. Then, maybe then, you will have the streets feel demanding Trump bring our troops home. Like we seeing the people protesting. How long they didn't have a, a Paris shut down, man? We're going on weeks now. And that was all over uh, increased taxes, an increased gas tax. Don't you think our our family members that's in the U.S. military that's being misused and put in unnecessary danger as illegal occupiers and colonizers? These are young people, just like me when I joined at 20 years old. We wasn't ask. I wasn't asking these political and social philosophical questions. I wasn't asking myself that question, although I began to ask those questions while still in service after reading the biography of Malcolm X and exited the U.S. Army shortly afterwards. So, but Trump is ignoring the will, although we all should be in support of policy, not the person, but in support of the policy to bring those children and our brothers and sisters home from Afghanistan, from Syria and Iraq. Even though Trump, again, has mentioned nothing about Iraq. But I thank the mainstream media for reminding me, though, that the Iraqi parliament, their government, and their people has, for a number of times over seven years, demanded the withdrawal of these troops, you bunch of colonizers. That's what you are if you're arguing for that. If you're allowing yourself to be what they call a useful idiot, and allowed the mainstream media 
to play on your dislike for Trump as a person and him for the things he does to then manipulate you to be against the withdrawal even though that's the most logical thing to do because you just want to be against Trump and make him look weak and say, oh, this is violating national security. No, this is enhancing national security of American citizens. Perhaps occupying and colonizing other people's lands and overthrowing their governments and, and, and murdering a bunch of their civilians, perhaps that creates, quote unquote, attacks on your nation and your people and on your troops. Now, the last thing before I get out of here, U.S. troops, um, Trump made some sense and, you know, set aside his pathological line about pay raises and other stuff. But anyway, um, he's right, though, about how much it's costing us. And he was right to say the people who live in that neighborhood should clean up their own neighborhood. That's a logical thing. That I mean, you could break it down to, is it the micro level? Let's say our community. The people in the community should be most responsible for cleaning up that community and its security. The Black Panthers tried to practice that. Even that security against racist and, and um, brutal police uh, uh, officers, law enforcement occupying our communities, not occupying it in the sense that they didn't have the jurisdiction to be there, but occupying it in the sense of treating the people like they are our enemies and not citizens. But he said, and after he said this, guess what? The Kurds who are Syrians, Syrian is a nationality, nationality means your citizenship, and people saying, oh, if you bend in the Kurds, they're going to get slaughtered in Assad. Look, the Kurds, that YPG uh, military arm, that's the arm of the Kurds' political power. They were participating in the national government. They have representation, and they control um, through elections and what have you and their own arm, armed security forces the northern part of Syria but they participated in it they wasn't at, when they say this was a civil war not really not really not fully let's put it that way not fully you know, because you most of those so-called free Syrian army people was collaborating with ISIS and al-Nusra and other al-Qaeda and, and terrorist-affiliated organizations. That's who we was arming. The free Syrian army, the British was arming them, the U.S. was arming them. That's who you was training. That's how ISIS got a hold of American-made weapons. Some cases they were taking them from the Free Syrian Army. Sometimes it was willingly given because they are looking at their commonality of Islamic extremism. And you got the ones that's going to play the moderates. Why would you back people who want to establish a religious government? 
period. All governments should be secular with the people having the right to practice whatever religion it is that they want to practice unless it's harming other people. Then you prosecute them for crimes. But anyway, so the Kurds met with the Syrian government to prevent Turkey, another U.S. ally. How does that work? You got to protect, because the way the mainstream was saying it and all the useful idiots and bots was saying, oh, if you leave, you leaving the Kurds to be slaughtered by Turkey. Wait a minute. If that's how Turkey is, that they slaughter people, why are they U.S. allies and why did Donald Trump's administration and Congress sign off for selling them billions of dollars of weapons? Why are they a NATO ally if they're a bunch of genocidal maniacs like that? As soon as the, U, the, the U.S. special forces advisors are withdrawn, Turkey going to rush across the board. Well, you know, um, again, because the Kurds were not at war with a Bush, uh, what's his name, Assad. They were not at war with their own government. And it's not the first time they collaborated with Assad. You wouldn't know this, listen to the mainstream media. You got to do a little research to fight ISIS and clear Syria. So now we don't see anybody talking about the Kurds being slaughtered anymore because they met with the Syrian government and the Russians agreed to help. And the Russians met with Turkey and said, no, dog, unless you want to, you know, be fighting the coalition of Syrians, Iranians, Kurds, and us, then you don't need to be attacked the Kurds and respect their border integrity. And guess what? Turkey's backing off. But the way the mainstream media tell me, oh, Putin is winning. Assad is winning. Wait a minute. I thought the mission was to destroy ISIS, not for regime change, for political, geopolitical agendas and all that entails. See see how they change the poll goes? The media controls your mind. You forget about what they're supposed to be there for. You forget about that Obama said they were defeated back then. You forget about these other nations saying they're defeated, except for little small pockets. Now Donald Trump's just saying what's what's true. But we got to keep the truth there. Wow. So that's some good news. Russia and Turkey reach an understanding on Syria after U.S. pullout move. Russian and Turkish officials have reached an understanding on coordination of military activities in Syria following a high-level meeting in Moscow. Russian state news outlet cited Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov as saying, so meaning that everybody's focusing on ISIS or other Islamic terrorists. Huh. It's, it's, it's awful nice how all these parties came together to get rid of the terrorists once the U.S. announces it's withdrawn. Even though they said that before and didn't follow through. But it appears, based off the, the coordination and the movement of these parties, that perhaps Donald Trump is going to remove those 2,000. It's not but 2,000. That's what a couple of trips, not just a couple, but... You know, how many do a plane hold? A hundred, let's say a hundred. There's 2,000, so that's 20 airplane trips. Not that complicated to withdraw, people. Anyway, that's my program. 
Uh, it's been fun being back on air after all this time, even though I'm physically suffering from sitting in this chair right now. I got to get a more comfortable chair. Should have had on my brace, but um, it is what it is. So looking forward to 2019. Again, those poll questions um, are out there. And we'll gather more information about the direction in 2011 in order to make sure we survive 2011 and, and you know, 10 years isn't the end of of our efforts to uh, elevate independent voices in general and black voices in particular on these geopolitical issues and get different points of view. It's been, I hope that your be safe um, if you go out tonight. Uh, my daughter went to Washington, D.C. with my niece. And I, like I told her, be safe. It is New Year's Eve. And so I'm going to implore all of you to be safe as well. Alcohol, a lot of people using alcohol and other drugs. It impairs judgment. Um, and it's uh, best to stay indoors, in, in my opinion, away from crowds of people. But, you know, young people, you only live once. And I was, do, you know, I uh, sought those experiences as a young person now. Um, but, you know, they do present their challenges. All right. Y'all be safe. Peace and blessings to all. And um, stay safe out there. Inside, inside, inside.